Welcome, everybody, back to KickServeRadio.com, Tennis on Air with Andy Zoe, and I'm very excited today to be joined by Sean Brawley, and those of us that have grown up playing tennis since the 70s all remember Sean as always being ranked in the, the top few players in the country and juniors onto a successful career playing at the University of Southern California, playing some professional tennis, and now, Sean, you've really taken everything that you've learned over the course of many years in the sport of tennis from a coaching and a playing perspective. You're now about to learn launch the Brawley Leadership Group, which really takes a lot of the principles of coaching high-performance tennis players and athletes and taking that into the corporate world. Talk a little bit about what you're doing and, and, and how some of those principles uh, sort of adapt from sports into corporate America. Well, there's a lot to unpack. Thanks, Andy. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, both as a player, I learned quite a lot about what it takes to perform at a high level and, you know, the focus, the discipline, the practice, the, you know, getting high quality coaching. And, um, you know, after the tour, I got into tennis as a coach and I met Tim Galway, who, um, I was you know, really fortunate that he agreed to mentor me. And, and so for, for five years, I learned the inner game approach. And, um, with Tim's help, I learned how people get in their own way, basically. You know, I learned some core principles of what it takes to develop potential that applies to any sport and any activity. But there's another aspect which is often overlooked, which is that there's um, we all are faced with fear and insecurity, self-judgment, limited ways of seeing ourselves. The list is on and on. And so I've... Um, First applied, you know, what I learned in tennis as a coach, and then I started helping golfers, and then I got invited to work with the New York Yankees, and then Pete Carroll, when uh, before he got the job at USC, I just kind of keep transferring my skills to from tennis to other sports, and I got invited by Kaiser Permanente to create a corporate coaching course for their internal managers. That was the moment when the Brawley Leadership Group was really kind of born. You don't hear about a lot of people, Sean, who are sort of descendants of the Tim Galway philosophy, which the inner game of tennis for our listeners that aren't familiar was really all the rage back in the 70s. It seemed like it was a very different way of coaching players to what American coaches have become accustomed for, which is being very disciplined uh, stroke technicians and to some extent maybe even being uh, accused of overcoaching uh, from a stroke technique perspective. Tim was a little bit different, and it's, I think you made mention of it there. It's about doing things your own way, facing certain fears, and just becoming comfortable with, I guess, as it would pertain to tennis, what your game is, knowing what you do well, knowing what you don't do, and then being able to execute. Is that basically what, what you've taken uh, as an overall core to your philosophy? Again, lots to unpack there. First, I would address the um, the fact that um, the inner game of tennis actually was you know, a huge rage. And when it first came out, they thought that... Uh, Random House thought it would sell about 15,000, 20,000 copies. And in the first year and a half, it sold 350,000 copies at a time when you didn't have the internet, you know, where you had, you know, things like that just didn't happen all that often. However, in the last few years, it's also had another renaissance because 
starting with when Pete Carroll um, won his first two national championships and played for a third. He expressed often uh, how the inner game of tennis was the foundation of his coaching philosophy. Um, and then I don't know if you're aware of it, but last year, Steve Kerr, the head coach of the um, Golden State Warriors, he had the best record in basketball and they were so close to winning the uh, NBA championship. He also very openly uh, expressed how the inner game was the foundation of his coaching philosophy. And that kind of went viral on social media. And then finally, Tom Brady, who was the winning quarterback of the New England Patriots in this year's Super Bowl with a extraordinary come from behind victory posted quite voluntarily on Instagram the day after he won uh, a picture of a, a page from the inner game of tennis and said uh, mental toughness was the key to coming from behind and winning the Super Bowl. And this book was instrumental in helping me develop my mental toughness. And so now the last two years, the sales of the book are again, pretty phenomenal for a tennis book. It's the number one best-selling tennis book of all time. The other thing is you kind of, if I may say, and you kind of boxed me into a hole in your description of the inner game, because that's not actually how I would necessarily describe it. Okay. Um, and, in, and in fact, Tim didn't just present a slightly different way of coaching. He presented a dramatically different way of coaching. Okay, fair enough. Generally speaking in sports, the way coaching is, is done is in, in a, there's different models, but the model that is, we use is the, uh, called, often called the medical model. And what that means is we see somebody, they have a problem, they uh, are doing something technically wrong, and so we want to fix them. Then there's this whole other realm that Tim brought, which is, you know, what if you use a different model? What if there's nothing wrong at all? Um, what if you just bring simple awareness to what somebody's doing? Because the fact is, and if you bring awareness to what somebody is doing, um, they can never do what they've been doing the same way ever again. And I have found that the most powerful by far and yet ignored and overlooked tool is this tool of awareness of simply bringing, helping somebody in a very gentle, caring way, be more aware of what they're doing. And that confronts them with some of their, their habitual ways of doing it. That's just an overview. I, I think of where coaching is at and a, and a, and a small example of the inner game approach and you know how it's it's different very interesting you're listening to kickserveradio.com tennis on air with andy zoden we're brought to you by racketstar.com get your profile on racketstar.com today i am uh, joined by sean brawley uh one of the greats in american tennis and uh and a tremendous coach and you got an opportunity wilson gave you as you termed it an opportunity for a dream assignment recently when you went to indian wells Sean, and you got to interview the likes of Roger Federer, Grigor Dimitrov, and Venus Williams, among others, and talk a little bit about them, about their inner game. What were some of the highlights that came from some of those interviews? 
Well, first of all, it was, you know, a dream assignment. It's, um, you know, to do on video essentially what, you know, you're doing, which I know you've you know, told me that you're just really passionate about and love. And the interviews went very well. And, you know, with Federer, I was so nervous and got to practice everything I, you know, preached to others and to breathe and be in the present and not let it bother me. And we ended up having a good interview. And I could give you some specifics, but to be honest, Andy, I discovered a pattern that was just fascinating to me. And so these are all, almost all of the players, so I can name them. There's Federer, Venus Williams, Grigor Dimitrov, uh, David Goffin, uh, Gail Monfils, uh, Simona Halep, Alina Svitolina. These are all, all these people are ranked in the top 10 in the world right now. So I, I'm only saying that so when I say, tell you what the patterns that I found were, these people have made it. So I don't have a lot of information about, you know, people who didn't make it. I'm just really fascinated by what I discovered and I'm starting to research it more broadly. But my question to them basically was, why you? There's a ton of research of what it takes to achieve mastery, but you know what? You've been doing it, but the guy who's 200 and 150 in the world, they've got masterful coaching. They've got passion and commitment. They're practicing their butts off. I mean, they're focusing and specializing. They're doing everything that you've done. So why you? You know, what is like the missing piece that allows for, you know, the cream to rise to the top? What help me understand your development? So I asked questions about their development just like the Inside the Actor Studio. And what I found is that all 13 of them had a breakthrough story, and they were all different. So all 13 talked about a match or a tournament that transformed the way they thought about themselves, felt about themselves, and saw themselves. And that opened the world of possibility that they could actually achieve and really believed in themselves so I'll give you an example, Dimitrov, he had been struggling with something, which I didn't get into but early uh, in his career, and then won a $10,000 futures tournament, which he said gave him confidence, transformed the way he thought. He went on, unlike other top 10 men, he went on and stayed on the challenger future circuit and won like six challengers, $25,000 challengers in a row. So from then on, he just was on his way. For Roger Federer, it was Junior Wimbledon. And then the second booster rocket was the Wimbledon match against Pete Sampras, where he really took the wind out of Pete Sampras's sails, arguably, because, you know, he had had such a great one at run at Wimbledon and Roger was able to beat him. And, um, Whereas for Gilmore Fies, it was actually a match he lost against uh, Andre Agassi. He lost in three sets. So Monfils won Australian Open Junior, won French Open Junior, won Wimbledon Junior, got injured in the U.S. Open Juniors, but those three victories didn't do it for him, like Junior Wimbledon did for Roger Federer. But a match against Andre Agassi later that he played lost in, on three sets, that made him believe that he could play at the highest level. And then I discovered a secondary pattern, which is 
just really fascinating, is that 10 of the 13, within three weeks to two months after their breakthrough, they got injured. And so it's all fairly new. I'm still assimilating like what that might mean. But I do have their response because that is uh, like I was, I think it was with Madison Keys. I can't remember, but it was like the second player, a little birdie voice said to me, cause they, you know, they're exp- expressing the, the injury like, Oh yeah. And then I got injured and it was, you know, it was really tough. It was a difficult time. I was out for three months. I was, you know, worried that I didn't could play tennis again. And I was like listening and this, little intuitive voice spoke to me and I said, so, you know, I know this will sound strange, but so I hear how difficult the time it was. I, I want to acknowledge that. But if this were a gift and it taught you something, what would the gift be or what would the learning be? And they all, 10 of them, lit up. And they basically said, you know, this gave me an opportunity to... um some time to reflect on what just happened. It gave me time to assimilate this entirely new world that I'm going to be in and the new tournaments I'm going to play, the money that's going to happen. I mean, everything about my tennis is going to change. The time off felt like a mini death. It felt like a loss. So it really brought me back in touch with how deeply meaningful tennis is in my life. And lastly, They often would say, and it put me back in touch with the joy I have for the game. And I can see before it was all hard work and I was striving for a goal. And now it's like, it's like, yes, it's hard work, and but I love it. I'm back to really loving playing tennis again. Well, congratulations on on the work that you've done and the opportunity, uh, like you say, to have a dream assignment like that. So big thanks to Wilson from from both of us because I've really uh, been able to derive a lot of great content for our show by hearing about what you you have been doing. And I hope that this is something that we can do from time to time, Sean. I really appreciate uh, your insights and your perspective, and I think that the work that you're doing is extremely valuable. And for us here at kickserveradio.com to be able to share it with our listeners. Uh, I really do appreciate it. It's great to get connected with you after all these years. Yeah, thanks a lot, Andy. I appreciated uh, your invitation to be on the show. It was my pleasure.